welcome to the Wellness Hustle Podcast. I'm Kirsty Taylor, your host, a writer, a storyteller, and a wanderer of life. I struggled so much in the past, and it wasn't until I started to focus on myself that I saw true change and really started living my life. This podcast is aimed to help you realize that this whole work hard, play hard mantra bullshit has not been cutting it. We need to focus on what truly matters. Think of this podcast as a tool for finally hustling for yourself. So let's shift our focus from the external to the internal because in the end, you deserve it. What's up, guys? Welcome to the fifth episode of the Wellness Hustle podcast. I still can't believe it's the fifth episode. I just decided to make this podcast back in the beginning of January, and it blows my mind how far it's come in such little time, and I'm so excited. You guys are awesome. All of this is awesome. I love doing this. So this week's podcast, I have an awesome guest, but before I talk about that, or before I dive into that, I wanted to talk a little bit about something that happened to me this week that really impacted me and I feel like a lot of other people struggle with. Yeah, just get right into it. As I've mentioned before, I write. I write on Medium, so that's a kind of platform where I can write about whatever I want and people can comment on it and people from all over the world can comment on it. And I choose to be very vulnerable and very open about my stories It's something I've just practiced many years and now it just comes naturally and it's not a big deal. But I got a really intense comment back to one of my stories of what happened with an old boyfriend and it was one of those like I bore or bared or whatever the word is. I bore my soul and this dude went in on me. He tore me apart. He left four different comments and it was on like six different points that I made throughout the article and it wouldn't 100% attacked my character and normally these kind of comments they wouldn't really bother me I could just be like oh like he doesn't know me or uh this is just some random dude but I mean he was attacking my character and in an article that was super personal and vulnerable and so Normally I can be kind of level-headed about this stuff, but damn, I was I was just like, wow, I was thinking about what I was going to say back, I was hurt, I was questioning my character, I was questioning myself. Luckily I did one thing that normally I don't do, but I'm glad I did, which is I reached out to someone uh, before I did anything. I reached out to my mom. We don't have the perfect close relationship, but... I figured she would have some good insight because they're also, my parents are also bloggers and I'm sure that they deal, deal with stuff like this all the time. So I reached out to get some advice and of course she said, don't comment back. The only thing that'll do is just get him fired up and he'll say even more stuff and the more negative comment, comments will come. So I didn't comment back, but it really did affect me and I wanted to talk about it because criticism negativity, it's out there in the world. No matter how much you strive to be a perfect, positive person, which I'm not sure if that's even healthy, but it's out there. The negativity is out there. It's going to come. And what defines us is how we handle it. And I, I don't know. I don't know. I handled it, I guess, the best way that I could. 
I've never experienced something like that. But I just wanted to talk about the criticism because it comes. And if you choose to go after your dreams ever, there's going to be a shit ton of criticism. And you just have to know that most of it is someone projecting their own fears, their own insecurities, their own issues onto you. And that you just kind of have to ignore that shit. I mean, you are doing what you're doing and so passionate about what you're doing that it's bothering someone else to the point where they need to be commenting on it. I mean, that kind of just proves that you're doing something that really is making a difference and really matters and really is driven. But yeah, criticism. There's a point where you need to realize that the criticism is good. I mean, that's why I was so affected by what he was saying. I was like, well, maybe I am with the things that he's saying. And I I don't ever want to just be like, oh, fuck him. Like, he sucks. Like, no, I want to, like, take that into consideration. But at the same time, some people are just mean. Some people are just negative, And some people are just out there to get a reaction out of you and to spread their own negativity because they don't have love for themselves. I'm not saying those people are bad people and I wish and I hope that everyone is able to find happiness and peace and love within themselves, but how we choose to handle their negativity is what defines us and taking a moment to step back, breathe, consider if it's constructive criticism or just hate, and then going from there. If it's hate, it can hurt, and that's fine if it hurts. Feel those feelings, but you got to let it go because if it's just hate, it's only going to bring you down, and it's just not worth it. So yeah, I just wanted to talk about that because it happened to me, and I know it's happened to a lot of you probably, and yeah, I just wanted to give that some light, that issue, some light. So with that being said, Let's get into this week's episode. It's a really good one. You guys are going to love it. This week, I got to interview the co-founder of Queen Foods. Her name is Allie Bonner. She's a nutrition fiend, a recipe developer, and above all, a foodie. After struggling for 10 years with restrictive eating and binge eating, Allie was inspired to start Queen Foods, a wellness company with the aim of empowering women to reimagine their relationship with food and ultimately bring back the fun into eating. She started a company called Queen Foods, and they also make a food called granola butter. You may have seen it at Press Juicery as one of their new toppings, or if you live in LA, it's at Erwan and some other markets. I'm not sure about which ones, but most of all, the biggest one is that it's at Press Juicery. So if you're lucky enough to have one of those, go try one of their freezes. They're bomb just by themselves, but they're even more bomb with some granola butter on top. Basically, Allie made a food that didn't exist. And as someone in her 20s, that can be pretty scary to start your own business. And we talk about that journey that she went on through starting Queen and her relationship with food and how that inspired her to get into this field. So without any further ado, here is our little chat. Thank you for coming on to the Wellness Hustle podcast. I'm here with Allie Bonner. Bonner, yeah. <laughs> I heard Ali Bonner. We talked about this before, and I was like, "How do you say it?" I don't want to say it wrong. So, Ali Bonner, welcome. Hi. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Of course. Where are you? Where do you live? So, where? We're be- I'm based in San Diego. Oh, okay, cool. Are you originally from San Diego? 
Yeah, so I grew up here um, and then went up to college up in the Bay Area. Um, so oh. yeah, I went to UC Berkeley and then kind of did the traditional like, you know, graduated college, moved into San Francisco, worked in tech, um, very cliche, but um, yeah, so worked in tech for probably like three years. And then we just moved down in September um, back to San Diego because our kitchen's down here um, and just like starting a business, it's a lot easier down here. Um, Life in San Francisco is just difficult. It's like, you know, just driving and just living is harder (laughs) up there. So Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. it goes so much more relaxed, like beachside. Exactly. Well, that's kind of what, yeah. So Eric, my boyfriend and I founded the company together and like we both talked about it and we're like, our business life is going to be in shambles. So like we want our personal life to just be like somewhat, you know, like manageable. (laughs) Totally, totally. And is your boyfriend from that area too? So he's from Santa Barbara. Um, We actually, yeah, we met in college. Um, We were like a blind setup for his frat formal, which is so college. It's like so embarrassing. Um, Yeah. So it was my, one of my like sorority sisters um, set us up because like she knew him through the Jewish community. Um, And so, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I don't know, we were just set up that way. And then we've been dating for like over five years. It's kind of crazy. And now your business partners. And now our business partners, yeah. Which has been, I mean, we can talk about that. That's been like a whole yeah. other like transition for sure. Yeah, we can definitely touch base on that. So, but let's get started with how did you get into the nutrition and wellness field? Yeah, so I mean, growing up, I've always been super into food. Um, like I was the weirdest kid, like in third grade, I remember my mom would say that I would wake up like before everyone else and in our house and like make lunches for everyone. And I just Mm -hmm. loved like creating food and and meals. And, um, I think the biggest thing was like, I loved making it for other people. And so Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, so my mom was probably like, okay, this is like a weird kid, but maybe she'll like become some big chef or something. Um, and so that was like all through elementary school and then um, high school, um, that's kind of when my issues with food, I would say, kind of began. So right. um, I was playing volleyball and played, you know, um, club and high school. And um, so it was pretty competitive. And I think just the environment, like no one ever said anything to me in terms of like a lot of times, you know, when girls have body image issues, it'll be like someone like a family member said something or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it was actually just. I noticed that my body wasn't the same as like my friends' bodies. Mm-hmm. And that's in I mean hindsight's 2020, but I was hanging out with, you know, all these super tall volleyball girls who were like 5'11, 6 foot in high school. And I was the libero, which um if you're not familiar, is like the back row position. And it's always like the shortest little pip squeak on the team. Mm-hmm. I'm like five four, five five. So I'm not short by any like compared to all my friends, I was really short. Um, and so I think just, you know, these long kind of lanky, um, girls who had just gone through a growth spurt, like I just realized I was like, wow, like how come I'm kind of more like short and stocky. And so from then on, I really started to, I remember Googling like how to lose weight, like the fastest, you know, or something yeah. like, like everyone goes through that. And I, I w- kind of went deep on like Tumblr. Remember when like Tumblr was a thing yeah. and like all these thin spo accounts and it was just, yeah, it was really bad. And so, um, and nobody really knew either. So this was in high school. Um, and so I started to really get into nutrition and, and really began kind of trying to educate myself on nutrition, thinking that, you know, um, 
like the more that I learn about nutrition, then maybe I'll finally be able to like become really thin, um, which was this ideal that I had that obviously, you know, was just super disordered. And so I ended up studying nutrition at UC Berkeley and just progressively, I think, got more and more disordered as the years went on. I mean, finally, by like senior year, I was a little bit more relaxed, but just the more I learned about nutrition, it kind of made everything worse in terms of, um, I was, you know, restricting my food, but also I was binge eating a lot in secret, um, and just feeling really anxious around food all the time. So, um, you know, like I would go out to dinner with girlfriends or whatever. And I remember like scanning the menu and just thinking, um, you know, what's the, what's the most healthy thing that I can order um, and not even listening to my body signals and not thinking about like, what am I actually craving? Um, So, yeah. So I think, you know, that was up and down. Um, But the hardest thing was it was just so isolating um, because, and I'm sure, you know, people with eating disorders can relate, but, or disordered eating, but um, it's so isolating because, you know, on the outside, I was happy go lucky. I was going out with my girlfriends. I was like, still drinking and, you know, and having like a normal college experience. Um, but inside I was just always like so anxious around food and yeah. So that was kind of, you know, college and then graduated, moved into the city. And finally I reached out to, um, Molly Alleman, who's like a nutritional therapist. And I talk about her on my page a lot. Yeah. But she, um, she helped me a ton. And so like, even just sharing, like I was so nervous for so long and, and held it inside, um, that like just sharing with someone else was game changing for me. Like that's what like half of my recovery happens, like just making that outreach that call. first step. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the scariest, but it's the biggest. Exactly. Yeah. Um, sorry. Yeah. So this is like very long winded, but, um, oh, it's okay. Yeah, I worked with her for like six months and she really helped me kind of remove the the stigma of like good and bad from food. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for the longest time I was like putting morality of, you know, oh, I had just like salads for lunch today or, or you know, I just had like vegetables to eat today. Like I'm really good. Um, and, you know, oh, if I had like something that I deemed was bad, then like I felt like I was bad. Um, right. And so she really, you know, kind of helped me remove that and and just switch my mindset from food is kind of like out to get me and, and make me fat to, um, like it's, you know, nourishing your body and fueling yourself with, um, foods that, you know, like vegetables are good for your body, but also, you know, like tacos and, and French fries at 2am, like that fulfills your soul as well. And so kind of helping me balance that because I was restricting, you know, and I was so emotionally restricted that I would binge on all these foods that I was depriving myself of because like, you know, my soul was like, my needs weren't being met in other ways. Uh Um, so that has really helped. Um, so it's kind of interesting because my, you know, from like an objective standpoint, my weight has stayed completely the same throughout this whole process. I mean, within like 10 pounds, um, not to be like triggering for anyone, but I just, I think it goes to show that like eating disorders don't, doesn't mean that you have to be like, you know, severely underweight and hospitalized. And I think that's what held me back for so long because it was just a mental block. It was really, you know, I saw myself on the outside and I was like, I I don't have really body dysmorphia. You know, I'm pretty like, I know what I look like. Um, and I'm athletic and, you know, most people would think I'm kind of like a normal weight. I wasn't, you know, underweight or overweight, but I just have this like issue with food. And so it held me back for a long time because I kept thinking that my issues weren't bad enough to like go see someone. Mm -hmm. Um, where I think like, I'm sure a lot of people kind of can relate because it's like, you know, maybe you're having some preoccupations with food, but 
you just think that like, oh, I just have some weirdness around it. Um, so yeah. So I just, I always want to kind of call that out because I think a lot of times when I would hear the term like eating disorder, it sounds really intense. And I just like right. didn't res- resonate with that as much. Yeah. I definitely think that there's a stigma held with eating disorders that it's like you're emaciated on the brink of death. Totally. And there's just so, it's like, there's no black and white between health and an eating disorder. Like there's so much in between and definitely there's a lot of room to bring up that any type of distress that eating brings for you is not healthy. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, eating's a natural instinct, right? It shouldn't bring us so much worry and so much thought and distress over it. So yeah, right. I definitely yeah. that's good to bring up. And so after that whole process and trying to change your relationship with food, you still found that you were naturally drawn to the I don't know, health food industry sort of. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, So in this whole process, you know, something that I had restricted for a really long time was um, like the, you know, of course, it's like so 90s of me, like now fats are very in, but I was like very much terrified of, you know, all the nuts and nut butters. And, and I think that just goes back to, you know, if you talk to any registered dietitian or someone who goes through like traditional, um, you know, training, like in all of my nutrition classes, it is kind of old school where they talk about, you know low fat diets and everything. And so it was really drilled into me. And so for a long time, you know, I restricted all those nut butters and, um, and I was really just focused on calories. And, um, so they were very scary to me. And so when I started to like reintroduce them into my diet, um, I found that, you know, I was just going overboard cause it was like, I hadn't had it in so long. And so I was like right. putting it on everything. And, um, and so digestively I was like, unwell, you know, <laughs> it's like, yeah. wait, this is like way too many nuts. Um, so I guess, you know, my kind of foray into, yeah, the nutrition industry from a business perspective was, um, realizing that I wish, you know, there was a spread out there that had those healthy fats and kept me full. Cause I was working out a bunch and, um, but was nut free. And so I couldn't really find anything. There was like, you know, the seed butters, but like taste wise, those didn't really like, resonate with me that much, mm-hmm. um, like sun butter and stuff like that. Um, and then there was Trader Joe's cookie butter, which obviously tastes amazing, but is like, right. didn't make me feel great. Yeah. So, um, so I was really inspired by like the taste profile of cookie butter. And so I just remember thinking like, wait, like granola butter, like why is there no granola butter? Like there's nut butter, there's cookie butter. Like yeah. why hasn't this been done before? Like Google it on my phone, nothing came up. And so I was like, kind of just sat on the idea And at this time I was still working in tech in San Francisco, um, not involved in nutrition or wellness at all. Um, but I had started Avo queen, which is my Instagram account now on the side. And it was about six months old or so. Mm -hmm. And I actually started it, um, because Molly, who I'd been working with, um, she really kind of urged me to start something to at least just hold myself accountable in terms of intuitive eating. And so I think that was really interesting to me because yeah, um, cause a lot of people will start these accounts and it's like a fitspo, you know, account where it's, or a weight loss account. And you see a lot of these like BBG, you know, transformations and stuff. And, um, those don't trigger me anymore because I've like finally kind of got to a place where I'm comfortable enough, um, with my body, but still like I see those accounts sometimes and I could see where it would be like, you know, really harmful for someone who's kind of struggling. Um, and yeah. so I had kind of like the opposite account that was like, holding me accountable to really, you know, create nourishing, um, fulfilling meals that were, you know, in tune with what I was actually craving. And so it doesn't mean like a nourishing, like bowl of vegetables. It was like, you know, whatever I was craving. And, 
um, it really turned into me like playing with my food a lot more and it just made food more fun. Like I was doing all these drippy kind of like weird creations and it just took all the stress away from eating. Like, because before it was so, you know, numbers and grams and it was just so stressful and and brought like the artistic, like creativity back. That's cool. Um, Creating like the food so it looks pretty, but it's also food that you actually want to be eating. Exactly. Because I'm not sure if a lot of people know like what intuitive eating is, but oh my gosh, it's a godsend when it comes to like healing from a disordered eating. It's basically just listening to your body and what it's craving and getting more in touch with your intuition in terms of food and eating. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. And But intuitive eating, I think, is you know this term that's thrown around a lot and people will think, oh, it's just an excuse to eat like donuts and, and cookies all day. And, mm. and I had that stigma for sure. And that's what I, was so terrifying to me because I'm like, you know, here I am. I actually truly enjoy eating healthy, but I just want to heal like the, you know, restrictive like part of things. Um, and I want to come from like a really healthy place. And so, um, mentally. And so I remember thinking, I told Molly, I was like, so, but if I'm an intuitive eater, like, does that mean I can't have salads anymore? And she was just like, no, like you totally can't. It's really, I mean, that's it. It's like listening to your body. And it's like, do you really want the kale salad or do you want the tacos? You know? And it's Mm -hmm. like, sometimes like, I know after I've been traveling for a long time and I get home, I'm like, actually like, wait, I really just want a big plate of like roasted veggies with some hummus and avocado and like a nice piece of salmon. Like that sounds amazing. And then when I've gone for like a week where I've been eating like on the healthier side, I'm kind of like wanting a little, like something like, you know, fulfilling. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, so, uh, um, but going back to your question, you know, that's kind of how I found my way into the wellness industry was, you know, through my Instagram account and then really kind of creating this business idea and then, you know, obviously launching that, um, but kind of playing off the same idea of, of, you know, encouraging people to be able to nourish their body um, mm-hmm. with like high quality ingredients. So, you know, it's not a Trader Joe's cookie butter. It's actually made with, you know, really high quality ingredients. All of them are organic now. Um, oh, but then cool. also, yeah, but then also like, this idea of like, you can nourish your body and like live your best life at the same time. So, you know, it tastes like really decadent and I hate the word like cheating. It's not like, Oh, like I'm, you know, or even like treat yourself. It's like, yeah, of course, treat yourself. Like you are like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I hate that too. And I hate the the term like guilt free when I see that on food. I'm just cringe. (laughs) Same. Yeah. Yeah. You see it on a lot of like halo top type, you know, light ice creams and stuff. And you're like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> yeah, right. So what what was it like the first time you tried making your first batch of granola butter? Oh my God, it was a hot ass mess. <laughs> so I was using, I was living in San Francisco, had three other um, roommates at the time. And I was just like, they probably thought I was psycho because, um, you know, Eric and I, my boyfriend, we were like, okay, so once we had decided on this idea, we're like, we're going to start testing, you know, playing around with recipe ideas. And we didn't have any sort of like, I don't have a formal like culinary training. Mm -hmm. Um, I love food. You know, I, I consider myself like decent in the kitchen, but like by no means do I know like, oh, this spice blend will like complement this. And so we were just like, we literally bought boxes of Trader Joe's, like, you know, that vanilla almond granola that they have, the blue one. So we like, first we tried that and we like bought a box and I remember thinking like, you know, it might even be cheaper for us to just buy, like, instead of, because Trader Joe's is so cheap, it was actually cheaper for us to buy the boxes from Trader Joe's than wholesale granola, and, like, oh, really? yeah, and so we're, like, what if we just, like, 
bought boxes of Trader Joe's granola and like blended it up and sold it. And then we were like, wait, I don't think we can do that like legally. And <laughs> so just to show you, it's like, that was like very crude. Um, yeah. And we were doing that in like a Vitamix in my kitchen. And obviously now it's like leaps and bounds. I mean, we obviously bake our, all of our own granola. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have like a proprietary spice blend and everything. Um, but yeah, at the beginning stages were very, um, interesting. And we went, um, we did about 80 like variations before we kind of settled on the one that we use today. Um, mm-hmm. and that was like, thanks to our third co-founder Ari. So he knows Eric from Jewish summer camp, interestingly oh. enough, um, <laughs> where all like true friendships are formed. And, um, and so he had kind of the culinary background, um, that like Eric and I did not have. And so he like had worked at Nomad in New York and, um, some really nice, you know, Michelin star restaurants. And so he was in Paris at the time and Eric and I had gone to Paris and we kind of flew like this idea by him. And he was like, so burned out from the restaurant industry and was like, kind of just in between things looking for something new. So we kind of like leaped on him. And so he like took the recipe to where it is today. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very yeah. cool. That's a little chef touch on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's all got to start somewhere. I think that's so interesting. Like you started with the Trader Joe's granola. That's great. I mean, it's got to start somewhere, you know? Yeah, yeah. It was so ratchet. It was like, and that granola too is like, I I don't know if you could really imagine it blended, but it was so dry because it's kind of like, I don't know how they make it, but it's not like oats. It's like clustery. And so it's so dry that like we were both just like, no, this is, this is a (laughs) no-go. Yeah, yeah, totally. So how has the process been going from, making granola butter in your apartment in college to like having a manufacturer and all of that. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're part, you make the granola butter. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we um, were kind of in this place, I would call it like the adolescent years where, mm-hmm. yeah, we're not, you know, obviously we're not making it in our house anymore. Um, but we have a commercial kitchen down in San Diego and, um, and we make everything out of there, but we make it ourselves. So um, there's five of us now Um and we bake the granola and then we blend it up with some coconut oil and olive oil, mm-hmm. um, which is the healthy fats. And um, we don't use the Vitamixes anymore because that's just so small. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Kind we invested. <laughs> right. So we invested in a really, you know, nice big machine that kind of does all that work for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still really t- like labor intensive. You know, I know there's, there's so many ways to going about launching a food company. And um, I know that a lot of companies will choose to, um, co-pack their product, which basically mm-hmm. means, um, you know, you get to a certain scale and you, um, outsource the production of your product. So, um, you'll have a co-packer make it for you essentially. And we thought about going that route, but, um, it's so expensive and like their minimum order quantity is just outrageous. So it would right. be like, I don't even remember what it was, but it was like, you know, 50,000 jars or something like that. And so, um, and they do have small batch co-packers too, which will do smaller runs for you, but mm-hmm. it's just, it's expensive. It's like whenever you bring in a third party, you know, it's going to jack up, um, it's going to, you know, reduce your margins and stuff. So we decided to just kind of make it ourselves and scale slowly, um, and really put time into doing that versus right. kind of going big all of a sudden. So, but there's no right way to do it. It's just like exactly. different for everyone. And you're, you guys are learning along the way, I assume. Neither of you have experience in this industry. Oh, my God. So. 
Oh my God. Like, I can't even tell you so, so much. And especially, I mean, working in a kitchen, like I always thought, Oh, you know, I love cooking, but like working in a kitchen is so different. It's just like, it's standing on your feet, you know, for 12 hours, it's lifting 25 pounds bags of oats. Like it's no joke. It's not for the faint hearted. (laughs) Honestly. So I have a little bit of experience working in the, um, I guess like health food snack industry. Mm-hmm. And I commend you for doing what you've done. It is not an easy thing. And I worked on a, a with a company that had like a team sort of. Yeah. But at the beginning I was the third hire and I would be calling our manufacturer at 6 a.m. I would be doing the marketing and the e-commerce, but that's all. Like then there's also the sales. You're going to Expo West next month, March, right? Next week. Yeah. yeah. Next week. Oh my gosh. If anyone doesn't know what Expo West is, Expo West is a ginormous, which is that a word? I don't know, but a ginormous uh, expo that happens in Anaheim. That's the size of a convention center plus like two extra hotels. Yeah. Uh, And it's just every healthy snack you could think of. And it's, it's a wild ride. It's so Uh, wild. And it just gets bigger every single year. Like I think they're renting out like a whole nother hotel to, I don't know. It's crazy. So we actually got, yeah, we got a five by 10 booth, which is the smallest booth that they offer. Uh Um, It's like teensy. And it was like, I think it was $4,000 for a five by 10. It's literally a table. It's like, yeah. yeah. But I mean, you got to pay to play, I guess. And um, it'll be exciting to exhibit there. But yeah, I mean, it just goes to show like, you know, I think a lot of times you walk into Whole Foods and you see these like, you know, brands that are just so marked up versus you could get the same thing at Trader Joe's for way cheaper. But you really have to think about, I mean, behind every company, there's so much like the food industry is not a place where you start a business to make a ton of money. Like you have to be so passionate about it. And like, I mean, $4,000 for a five by 10 booth, like you see all these other companies that have like 10 by 20 booths and it's just the food industry is expensive. So it really has actually like made me more, um, you know, I, I understand now when I go to Whole Foods and I see like these kale chips are $7.99 and in my, like I previously I would have thought like, oh, that's such a ripoff. But now it's like, wait, actually, like they're probably doing everything by hand. And yeah, yeah. so there's a it's lot like, behind it. Yeah, it's like supporting a small business. Their stuff usually is a little bit more expensive, but that's because there's so much work and love and everything put behind it. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah. but I commend yeah. you. That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, so what has been one of your most like surprising struggles of starting your own business? Ooh, um, honestly, I think it's been working from home and not like the, I mean, the environment, it's like, great. I'm just for everyone who can't see me, I'm lying on the floor with my puppy. Like <laughs> it's very chill. Um, but it's more so like, I love working on a team and like when I worked in tech, you know, I had my, my my squad, like we supported each other. We bounced ideas off each other. And I think as an entrepreneur, like, you know, and I'm not even a solo entrepreneur, like there's founders that are, you know, solo founders. And that just blows my mind because Eric and Ari and I are constantly just, you know, what should we respond to this email? Um, Like, what should we do about this? Like, it's always just collaborative. And I love that, but it's so hard because it's like, you know, I'm the sales team, I'm the marketing team. Mm -hmm. And so anytime it's like, you know, oh, we need to do more sales outreach. Like there's no real pressure. It's all comes from within. Um, so, you know, we would get like a big account. Um, we just launched as a topping on press juiceries freeze and which I've had, it's amazing. Everyone go try it. Oh, you have. Oh, good. Oh yeah. 
Okay. So yeah. So, you know, and so like after we got that, I had this feeling inside of me that was like, Oh, like that's awesome. And then like the next couple days after that, I really was struggling to find motivation to like reach out and like keep pushing with sales outreach because it's like, you know, you get these little wins and you want to celebrate, but it's like, you can't, like you have to always be reaching out, always be reaching out. Um, and so that's been kind of tough because I think I'm so used to, you know, I'm self-motivated, but you get to a point where it's like, it's hard to always find that motivation within yourself. Um, so social media has been awesome for that because like, you know, seeing people post about us in their Instagram stories and stuff like that is great motivation. Cause it's like, okay, like we're doing something, you know, people are enjoying our product and, um, and getting that like, you know, immediate gratification is kind of nice. So yeah. Going. Yeah. Do you feel like online presence is huge with brands nowadays? Yeah. Oh my, absolutely. Has it helped you with your growth and getting into other stores and stuff? Yeah. Even with retail, it all is starting to cross over. And I mean, a lot of retail buyers now are looking to social media for that social proof. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, traditionally reaching a buyer and getting a hold of them is super difficult. Like they're so busy. They, you know, usually aren't on their computer all day. Like most of us are, they're like out on the floor, or, you know, making purchasing decisions. And so reaching them is tough, but it's like Instagram has been so awesome for us because we launched on there. And so we built up like quite a decent following, um, in a short amount of time. And so, you know, being able to show them, Hey, we have X many followers in your region and like, we can actually send them screenshots of people who are like, are you sold in this store yet? You know, and kind of being like your customers are actually asking for it. Um, So that's been helpful, but it's still, I think there's a long way to go. Like so many buyers just still don't really get social media and they think it's kind of like a trend. So mm-hmm. yeah. We'll see. yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So going from it being something that you just did on the side to like a full-time job, how was it at some point that you quit your tech job, I assume, how was it making yeah. that decision? Yeah, that was, oh my God, that was so scary. So, um, I'm super risk averse. Like Uh I am just like the most careful person. And, um, so I had saved up, you know, enough savings for about like six to eight months, um, which living in San Francisco is like really hard to do. Oh yeah. That's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. So what happened was I was, you know, moved out of my place in San Francisco and moved in, um, with Eric, my boyfriend. And so we were sharing a room in a house with like five other people. Oh wow. Yeah. So my rent was like super low for San Francisco. And so that way I was able to save enough money to, you know, finally feel like I had a little bit of a cushion. Um, and even though I was working in tech, I was like an intro marketing job. Like it wasn't like I was a computer scientist or anything, you know, a software engineer. Um, and so, yeah, so I kind of, you know, had that little cushion and then it just came to a point, I think it was really with press juicery where I realized like, okay, this thing has legs, you know, like this is a pretty big corporation that is wanting to use us as a topping. And like that really, like there's something there. It wasn't just like, Oh, we're doing pretty well at the farmer's market. Like, you know, it it was something that I saw a big potential and a big future in, um, and nothing wrong with like a farmer's market business, but like in my mind, I kind of was thinking like, if I'm going to leave my job in tech, you know, something that I've worked three years for, I've worked really hard to get here. Um, then I want something that at least I'm going to give it all I can and like Mm -hmm. see if this thing has a shot. Um, and I think what really kind of changed my mind was, um, and made the decision for me was learning that all the schools now are nut free or most of them. Yeah. Like it's a huge market for you. Huge market. So, I mean, I don't have kids, but like 
talking to some of the moms, they were like, this is such a godsend because, you know, all we can use right now is sunflower seed butter. Um, and it's kind of bitter and my kids don't really like it. I have to sweeten it a bunch with honey before I even like mm-hmm. give it to them. And so, yeah, so that was really big. Cause like, you know, when you launch something on Instagram to this millennial, like us millennials, you're kind of, it's, it's very like peaks and valleys because, right. you know, millennials are already onto the next thing. Like they're probably, you know, over granola butter and looking for the next butter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like, you know, when they're always asking, okay, when is like your CBD granola butter coming out or, you know, whatever. (laughs) It's like, all right, one thing at a time, like calm down. Um, And so for us, that was really sad. Like that was encouraging to realize that, okay, there's a whole market out there that, you know, parents are, they have the purchasing power and like they're more stable, you know, they're going to make repeat purchases where millennials are kind of like, Ooh, I saw this cool like product on Instagram. I'm going to buy it once and then never buy it again. Right. yeah. So that was like kind of what made my decision for me. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So it was recently sort of that you left your job? Yeah, it was in, uh, in oh, right. September. You said you yeah, September. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's I know. Exciting. So then what's something that's the most rewarding of doing this and making this decision? Yeah. Um, let's see. I mean, so many things. I think just like at my old job, I worked really hard, but it was always mm-hmm. tough to put in that much effort and it wasn't for my dream, you know, like mm-hmm. I was super That's passionate. Yeah. yeah. I was really passionate about what I was doing. I love my boss. I love my team. Um, I worked for like, a, it was a health tech startup mm-hmm. and I'm, I've always really loved healthcare and I, you know, I felt like I was making a difference, um, which kept me going, but yeah, it's just, it's so different to really grind for yourself because like anytime, you know, you're pulling like late nights, you're not like, Oh, like F this. I mean, you are, but, but you're like, I'm yeah. doing this like for myself, you know, I'm doing right. this for myself um, <laughs> versus like someone imposing this on you. Um, yeah. so that's been really gratifying, but also just like, I love that end, you know, seeing the customer, like using our product, like seeing people like actually incorporating it into their daily lives and like just tagging us on social media, like as dumb as that sounds like it's so cool. And, um, I don't know, obviously it's rewarding to, um, see your product on shelves, but I think more is like the customer feedback. I mean, I get dozens of messages from like people who have nut allergies who like can't mm-hmm. have anything else. And, you know, they felt like they were left out from all the cool like butters and stuff. So I right. don't know. That's been really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And we touched on this earlier before, but I'm so curious, how has it been managing working with your boyfriend as part of, as your business partner? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, it's been up and down. Yeah. <laughs> so it's okay. I mean, we're still figuring it out. Like I think actually getting this puppy has been awesome for us because oh, cool. like before we, um, you know, all we talked about was work, which it, like both of us love it. And it's, we're so passionate about it, but like we would go on like a date night. And I remember one time we're like, all right, we're not going to talk about work. Like let's just be normal, like play it cool. And like, it was just silent. Like we had nothing to talk about, you know? Yeah. And so it's, it's hard when you're growing a business because, you know, once you kind of reach this point where you can, not that you're ever coasting, but like, you know, maybe we have te- a team of people where we can at least delegate some things. But right now, like everything that we do is like, we're doing it ourselves. So, right. you know, every night when our heads hit the pillow, like it, we've just had such a full day that like, I'm so tired. I can't even speak. Like I can't even think about having outside hobbies. And so it's been kind of nice because actually like this puppy has like helped us to slow down. And I mean, you know, you're taking care of something else. And so, um, yeah, I think it's all, you know, communication is, is huge. Like, and also realizing that 
you know, people work in different ways. So I'm kind of more spontaneous and like in the moment and he's very like planned out and, you know, logical. And so, um, I think it's like, cause I'm more creative. Um, so being okay with like how the other person works and knowing that like, you know, they'll get their stuff done, um, in the way that they, in the way that they feel most comfortable. Cause right. I've kind of had a hard time with trying to like micromanage, um, like how he does things. Cause it's not how I would do things. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think, I don't know, communication and like time probably. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's yeah. good that you're managing it. Yeah. Yeah. But- must be fun in the end like when when you get through the hard times and everything you're going through it with the person that you love totally well and I mean that's the thing it's like if I was doing this and he was like had a normal job like a nine to five like I would not be able to I mean we wouldn't have anything to tell like he wouldn't understand you know yeah that'd be so hard to relate to exactly he'd be like why are you working all the time (laughs) exactly right yeah cool so I mean I know you're constantly doing everything and you're probably just, your head's always in it. Do you manage to be, you said that the puppy helps you kind of manage your like personal life a bit, but is there anything else that helps with balancing your, I guess, sanity or your like wellness and everything? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think for a lot of people, like even if you don't own your own company, like if you work from home or even if you just, you know, have a nine to five, like I think work-life balance is something that is this kind of made up term and really it's not like, it's not like separating the two, but Mm -hmm. learning the best, like how you work best and how to incorporate that into, um, like a healthy, you know, routine, like daily routine. So for me, like mornings are so sacred to me. I wake up at, I mean, with the puppy even earlier now, but like I still before him would wake up, you know, five, five 30, um, which sounds like crack of dawn for some people, but like, I love just having that hour and I don't like, you know, meditate or, or drink green juice or anything. I just, I love having that hour. I sit by the fire, I answer emails and it's like quiet. And I just, I, mm-hmm. I can really focus cause I feel like I'm being proactive instead of reactive. Mm-hmm. Um, where sometimes I feel like, you know, before I would wake up, kind of go to the gym, make breakfast. And then by the time I actually sat down and like started to open emails, it was like the whole world had already, you know, you know how it is. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, so like that kind of is sacred for me. And then um, like a non-negotiable will be some kind of movement. I mean, I'm big on like rest days. I used to like really kill myself in the gym and go to like Barry's boot camp and do all these like high intensity stuff. And I just, I found by like two or 3 p.m. I was just so toast. I was so tired. Um, And so I really have been loving like Pilates and even just like beach walks, you know, like. Nice, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So it just gets the blood flowing and it really keeps me mentally in like a good place. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. So I just have a few more questions that I ask everyone that comes on my podcast. The first is what advice would you give your younger self, whether it be health advice or business advice? Well, I guess no more so like health advice, life advice. Yeah. Um, I mean, don't worry about the calories. Enjoy I mean, I'm talking to my college self, um, eat, eat the tacos, you know, be a yes girl, do all the things. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Okay, cool. And what would you say you hustle for? Ooh, um, I hustle for, this is like so corny, but I hustle for my future family. Um, so, you know, I really want to like grind and, and work hard now, like when I'm in my twenties and I don't have, um, you know, that many responsibilities, um, and, and set up like a good future. Cause 
my parents, my mom's a dentist and she worked really hard building her practice and, mm-hmm. um, has worked since she was like 14. Um, and so I really respect her and like, she was able to pay for my college and I know so many people are not as lucky. And so I want to be able to, to do that for my kids. Do the same for kids. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. I love that. It's and for boring. future. No, it's okay. And for a future older puppy. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You can have a good life. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. Okay. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Can you yeah. give people some information on how to find you online? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my handle is just avoqueen. It's A-V-O-K-W-E-E-N. Um, and our website is just queen.co. Mm-hmm. I'm so curious. How did you come up with the name queen or that? <laughs> I wish there was a better story. It, so it's a playoff avoqueen, but how I came up with avoqueen was like, it was, it's so dumb. It's like, I was just thinking of a handle and I was like, Hmm, I really love avocados. And it was like when I had just kind of learned about the phrase, yes, queen. So I was like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, avo queen. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then for the business name, um, you know, obviously it had nothing to do with avocados. So we kind of shortened it. And then, you know, as time has gone on, it's like, okay, we want everyone to feel like a queen and, you know, playing on the, the eat like royalty theme. Yeah. So, yeah. No, it, it works. It stands out. Because if you ever go to, like, those expos and stuff, a lot of people, like, just do plays on different, like, natural or, like, right. wellness and that. So, Queen, I love it. That's yep. awesome. Yeah, awesome. Cool. <laughs> well, thank you again so much for coming on. This was a thank great you. chat. And, yeah, if anyone wants to, they can follow Allie over at Avo Queen or try her granola butter. I mean, for me, it's at Erewhon, but I guess it's kind of everywhere different places all over the United States, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I always tell people, like, if you're lucky enough to have a press juicery near you, then you can, like, at least sample it before you invest in a whole jar. Um, Or we're also on Amazon Prime now. So, yeah, so that's, like, I mean, I know people love Amazon, so it's, like, Mm -hmm. two-day shipping, and yeah. Right, exactly. Cool. Well, thank you so much. I hope you have a good rest of your day. Thanks. You too. guys thank you so much for listening as always I do this for you and I really appreciate that you guys listen and you enjoy it so if you want to you can follow me on Instagram my handle is at wander with Kirsty w-a-n-d-e-r with k-i-r-s-t-i-e also if you really really love me you can rate me on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you listen to this on until next week keep hustling for yourselves keep loving yourselves you really do deserve it <laughs>